Hey, if you have your Bible, oh, my son is a good man. We're in the book of Genesis, and I hope you've been reading the story and, and, and uh, searching the scriptures and just trying to get to know this. We've been talking at each week, uh, different weeks, about the, the uh, faith journeys of the patriarchs. And we're going to just continue on that for a while. We're just going to, because there's so many lessons that we learn from the, the characters in the Bible. And to some of them are definitely characters. And, you know, um, I, one time I heard this um, Muslim convert. He was a convert to Islam, and it was a it was a YouTube video, and it says former pastor converts to Islam and reveals everything. And I, th- I'm like, really? I want to be enlightened here. And so I went and watched the video. This former pastor was the son of the pastor who probably got stuffed into the youth group one or two times, and he took on the title pastor because he knew nothing about the Bible. And one of the things, though, he, that, that proved for him that the, the God of our Bible was not true is because he said, look at all of the people in the Bible. They were all failures. They were drunks. They were rapists. God wouldn't do that. And I went, hello. <laughs> That's the whole point. God chooses the imperfect things. Somebody say, Amen. Right? I mean, we are imperfect. God uses us. He's looking for us to not remain imperfect. He's looking for us to be perfected in Him. But He says, come as you are. I will use you, and I will take you, and I will transform you, and I will do a work in your life. So we we read the stories of the patriarchs, and, and this really did take me a long time as a believer to actually not look at all of the patriarchs as perfect men of God. And you, act, you might be there. You might be just as I was when you read the Bible. You go, okay, this has got to be a good example. He's in the Bible. No. Sometimes the example that they lived is actually there to tell us it was the wrong example. And so it might be a shift in your thinking, but until you get that shift, you're going to miss the glory that comes from the Bible as we discover these people who God doesn't give up on. God doesn't give up on us. His grace is abundant. It's amazing. Jacob is one of these people. And we, we, we've listened a little bit uh, over the last couple weeks, last week, this week. I'm going to continue on. And Jacob is the son of Isaac who, who um, he really just kind of, tr- he didn't even trick Esau. Esau just said, hey, I want food. I'll give you my birthright. It was kind of crazy. Then, and then he also then took and he, and he deceived his father to steal the blessing. And that's what we talked about last week. You know, he, he put on hair on his arms. And I guess Esau was, a, was just a hairy, hairy man. I mean, if you can put goat skin on your arms and on your neck to fool somebody that that's, you're, you're a person. I mean, and I've seen those people at the beach. And what's, what's crazy is those people at the beach also wear Speedos. They just do, and it's wrong, okay? But, but he was just a hairy, hairy man. So, so Jacob goes to this uh, um, whole uh, elaborate plan, 
because his mom wants him to do it to deceive to get this blessing. Now, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to go through this quick. I'm going to talk really fast. I haven't had any coffee yet, so I don't know if that's good or bad. That's just water. Because I want to cover this because we want to get to some, some real big points of the story. But in this process, we have Jacob and his brother Esau, twins that God had proclaimed that Jacob, who was the younger, would, um, would be the leader and that Esau would serve Jacob. Mom knew that. We believe that dad knew that. I'm sure that mom told Jacob, you know, I can just hear going, you're the special one. <laughs> The Bible even says that, that mom, Rachel, loved Jacob. Isaac loved uh, um, Esau. And so, you know, and I know none of you parents out there would ever pick your favorite, right? You know, and, and as I said, you're going, yeah, I know I didn't actually pick my favorite, but I have. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but we have these special relationships sometimes with our kids. It's not that they're a favorite, but there is sometimes a special relationship. So this happened. So all four of them have this thing. Jacob is supposed to be the God a proclaimed leader. So um, Rebecca, she puts it in this plan in motion that's a plan of man, her own thinking. Jacob goes along with it. Esau is no better. He is an unspiritual man. He says he despised the birthright. He despised the spiritual things. And Isaac didn't care that the blessing was supposed to go to Jacob. He's going, I want to give it to Esau because I like him. He's a manly man. So, says Esau, he was one out in the fields. He was rugged. Jacob, he was a mama's boy. That's, pro- that's what it was. He was just in the tents. He was probably a, a, um, a kind of more like a mama's boy. So, so Isaac wanted to bless uh, Esau in this moment. That was ch- chapter 28, 29. And so... Actually, it's 27. We're going to go into 28, 29 today. I'm sorry. So the blessing comes. Isaac gives a blessing. I want to draw attention to this one spot of when Isaac blesses Jacob on accident. Esau comes in from the field, confronts him in chapter 27. And I skip this, and I I want to bring it to your attention here. Isaac knew that he was supposed to, we believe that Isaac really knew he was supposed to be blessing Jacob. He didn't want to. He said, um, when, when Esau ki- comes into him, as soon as Isaac finished blessing Jacob, Esau comes in, and he says, Dad, I got your stuff. And he says, oh, who are you? I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Which is ironic, because he is his firstborn, but he sold his firstborn right. Isaac trembled exceedingly and said who reading and reading and reading i'm like why why was he trembling first i thought he's trembling because he's angry he figured out he blessed jacob okay well we know from last week that shortly after um he blesses jacob esau gets angry plans to kill his brother jacob mom finds out and devises a plan to get Jacob to safety and sends her away, sends him away. Now that was the end of last week. Do you remember? I said, go to chapter 28. So Jacob is going to go to a land to go find a wife. Isaac doesn't want him to have a wife from these people. His mom doesn't. His mom wants to save him. She thinks he's going to go away for a couple days until Esau, Esau's anger is, is relieved. 
And it says, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said to him, this is the second blessing coming from Isaac. You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Verse 2, chapter 28. Arise, go to Paddan Aram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's brother, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. Here's the blessing. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham. That wasn't in his first blessing. He's now actually talking about the blessing. Isaac knew the blessing. God blessed Abraham. Abraham blessed Isaac with the same blessing. God blessed Isaac with the same blessing. Now Isaac is fully aware, and he's blessing Jacob. And I went, wait. He was angry a moment ago, and now he's giving the right blessing. He wasn't angry. I don't believe. This is, I, I read that again. He wasn't trembling exceedingly because he was angry about being deceived. He was trembling exceedingly because he realized what he was doing. He was bypassing the will of God, trying to bless the wrong son. And he was told, no, Jacob is going to be the one you're supposed to bless. And just like us, sometimes we take things into our own hands and we try to do it our way and we pick the person we think is going to be better for the job or whatever it is and we do it. And this is what Isaac was doing. He, I believe he knew what he was doing. And when he realized that God still had his way, that they, though it was through deception, that he blessed Jacob, I think he trembled because he realized what had just happened and that God was right and that he was supposed to bless Jacob because then he gives him the rest of the blessing at the beginning of the next chapter. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. Give you the blessing of Abraham. So Jacob receives this blessing. He's deceived. He's lied. His mom, his brother, his dad, all of them were walking in the flesh. His mom did it so that he would receive the blessing, that he would be able to walk in all the things of God. So she comes up with this plan. Now this plan is backfiring her because now she's sending her son away whom she loves. And when he goes away, he leaves with nothing. He wanted the blessing. He wanted the physical things in his life. And he's being sent away with just his staff, with no servants, going to a land that he doesn't know to find a wife for who knows how long we know. It says, you're going to go away for a few days until your brother's wrath is turned away from you. This begins Jacob's journey. It begins another step in Esau's life where he actually purposefully, he found out that, that marrying um, people from this, for the Canaanite women, displeased his dad. And so Esau goes and gets two more wives. Total of four. Four wives from the wrong people group just to spite his father who was innocent. In the, in the deception. Interesting. Esau is a man of, of zero character, really. And Jacob starts his journey. Now, we're going to cover about four chapters, so I'm not going to do a lot of reading. I'm going to talk about this. But I will read a couple, couple verses here, here and there. Starting in, in verse 10, I want to read a little bit because this is the, uh, something that happens. As Jacob is, is fleeing... 
It says, he went out from Beersheba towards Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. I guess he likes a hard pillow. I would have got some grass or something. But anyways, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angel of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give you to, and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. Does this sound familiar? This is the same blessing that he told Abraham. It's now coming to Jacob. It was proclaimed by God that it, w it was going to happen. Honestly, the blessing that came from Isaac didn't matter because it's the blessing of God that matters. Isaac wasn't even wanting to line up with the, with the blessing, but it's truly that God is now saying, I am going to do this. He says, I'll bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Jacob wakes up. And he goes, wow, the Lord is in this place. One of his first mistakes. He thinks that God is in a place. God is not in a place. He is everywhere. He, he's believing that he's coming into a place. And so he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an offering. I'm going to set up an altar. And we're going to call this place Bethel, which means house of God. Um, Jacob made a vow saying, listen to the vow that makes. So, so he's had this encounter with God. Really cool. Wow, I'm going to be like blessed. And my kids are going to be blessed. And having, uh, having kids and lots of kids is a huge thing in the Middle Eastern culture. Um, it still is in a lot of our cultures today. So Jacob makes a vow saying, listen to this vow. This is the, the, the deceiver. He struggles with everything. And now he's going to do some, some more uh, shifty things. If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I'm going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. And we go, isn't that a great prayer? N no. Because he's got ifs in there. If God will do this, then I'll love him. If God does this for me, I'll serve him. He's got to show himself faithful. Going to keep looking and looking and looking. And, and see right there, he's bartering with God. Okay, God, you're going to do all this for me, but you're going to bring me back and otherwise. Okay, God, I want this job. God, if you'll give me this job, I'll serve you. God, if you give me a good marriage, I'll love you. God, if I get a raise, I'll start tithing. God, if you keep my kids safe, and on and on it goes, and we become a bartering people with God. God has showed himself faithful in the generations to Jacob and to his, to his parents and to his great-grandparents. And remember, Jacob is offspring of Noah, offspring of Adam and Eve. He knows this God about him. So he begins bartering. One of the quick lessons we want to lose, we, we, we want to be a people who, who's not bartering with God. You know what's amazing about God, though? We're going to find out that God doesn't move on from him. His grace will follow him over the course of his life. Now, Jacob is going to come back, actually, to this very spot. And his prayer is going to be different when he does. But it's going to take him a while. This gives some challenges to some of us and encouragement to some of us. 
The challenge is don't be like Jacob who has to barter with God. Just love him, serve him, be obedient to him, trust him. But it also gives, gives encouragement to those who've been like Jacob. Kind of going, well, I'm kind of checking things out. He's not going to give up on you. He's not going to give up on you. He's going to, somebody once said that God is like the, the great hound dog of heaven. And he's going to just hunt you down until you finally stop running. So he's got grace for the journey. But we can learn a lot if we'll not make some of the snakes Jacob made. So he goes from there. Right away, he, he, goes, he goes to the, the land of Haran. It takes a little while to get there. He goes and, and, and he's, he finds some shepherds and, all the, and people and he says, hey, are, do you guys know Laban? And they said, yes, we know Laban. And he says, oh, how is he? He's fine. And here comes his daughter. Well, his daughter starts coming down. Her name's Rachel and she's good looking. You know, he sees her and wow. So that kind of starts this whole process. He starts liking her. And I don't even want to, I'm trying to find, figure out how old Rachel is. I think there's like 30 or 40 plus years difference in their age kind of interesting. I guess that's the way they do it back then. She comes down. They, they, uh, he rolls away the stone. Anyways, he goes to Laban, who's his, his uncle. Now, Laban is, is Jacob's mom's brother and kind of tells the story. And, and he says, hey, should you work for me for nothing? Stay here and work for me. And uh, he says, what, what do you want? And Jacob says, I want your daughter. I want your daughter. And, and so they come up with a plan that he gets to marry Rachel if he works for seven years. So he works for his uncle for seven years in order to marry his daughter. Now, now his daughter, Rachel, you, some of you know the story, this is just a review, is the younger daughter, just like Jacob. Leah's the older daughter. Seven years come. And we don't know exactly all the details of wh how this could possibly happen because it says Jacob loved Rachel. So we, you know, as I, I'm sure in seven years they must have talked a little bit. Um, he worked for him. They have the wedding celebration, which, which in those days and still today, wedding celebrations in, uh, in this culture are long and they're full of eating and drinking. And it says when evening came, they went into the tent and there was Leah instead of Rachel. And somehow Jacob doesn't even realize that he's sleeping with the wrong woman and he marries her. What a dog, right? That's what I think the average woman is saying. What, what a dog. Okay. How, we don't know how that happens, but it happens. In the morning, it's like, whoa, this is, this is the wrong sister. This is the wrong sister. And I'm like, you should have figured that out last night somehow. Check this out. So it's kind of weird. But so, so then Laban says, hey, in our culture, we can't give the younger before the firstborn. Jacob was the younger tricking to become the rights of the firstborn now he's receiving that he was trying to trick and get the younger before the firstborn it's coming around he had to marry the firstborn and he says but if you work for me another seven years you can marry rachel also so he gets a twofer <laughs> two wives 14 years of service but he gets to marry them both right away. He spends one week with Leah and then immediately marries Rachel 
And so I guess it was, you know, he, he's like he bought her on credit. <laughs> he gets to marry her immediately. And so now after the first seven years of working, he's married to two and they start living their life. In the process, just to give you some, uh, some ideas of how this works, kids are so important. Leah starts having babies. She's a baby machine. She starts having boys and boys and boys, which is really cool. Uh, Rachel doesn't, so Rachel gives her maidservant to him. So now he's got a third wife. Leah doesn't like that. So Leah gives her maidservant to him. So now he's got four wives. Ends up having eventually 12, 12 kids, uh, the 13 counting Dinah, all these kids who become the tribes of Israel. This is Jacob. He's working, and he works for his father-in-law for 20 years. 14 of them he worked for his, do- for his wives. But he stayed with him and started amassing things for himself. His kids started being born. So his, his first kids probably born right away. Um, I have a feeling that uh, about year eight, his first, first son is born. And he starts having kids until they're, they're all born. One of them's Joseph. We know the story of Joseph. Uh, we'll be studying him shortly. He's got all these kids. And now he's, he's wanting his own. And so he has a conversation with his father-in-law. And he says, you know, your, your flocks have been good. All this. Now I need to, to, to care for myself. He says, keep caring for me. What is your price? And he says, give me all the speckled sheep. I, I guess people don't like speckled sheep, so it's an easy thing. So Jacob gets this, all the speckled and spotted sheep, and then he starts this process. If you read it, it's like really confusing because he goes, he strips these branches and he strips them and he puts strips on them and they're poplar and he puts them in front of the troughs where they're breeding and the sheepies do their thing in front of the branches and somehow that makes them breed spotted sheep. Okay, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not a sheep scientist. I had to make sure that that wasn't actually something that happened. Honest, I'm like, is this like, so I read, and no, there's no, there's no connection. There's no connection to taking the branches and stripping them. We just think it was superstition. Here's the thing. Superstitions aren't true, but God is. God goes on his crazy thinking, and he says, I'm still going to do it. I'm going to give you spotted, streaked sheep. And so Jacob gets rich with all of these sheep and herds, and, and, and he's got this process until, and the, the sheep and things of Laban start becoming the weaker ones. He's not lying about it. He's just doing this breeding thing, and it's working. So pretty soon, Laban starts going, wow, I'm not happy with this. Laban's kids actually like, we're not happy with Jacob. He's stealing our inheritance. All those sheep should have been ours, and he's got all the good ones. So, so basically what happens and there's, there's a point where we're, we're leaving this point to go on to the, the end, towards the end of the story here and get some good stuff. So then he goes, we need to leave. And he, he leaves. And uncle, uh, his father-in-law is really upset. He chases him down. He says, what are you doing? And, and, they, and they basically, they, they part in peace because God visits Laban and says, don't say anything to him, positive or negative. And, and, they, and they depart in peace. In that process, Rachel steals his, her, her dad's idols lies and Jacob says something he says the idols aren't here he didn't know that they were there he says whoever you find the idols with put them to death put them to death well luckily Laban well Rachel lies about being having her monthly cycle and so she doesn't have to get up and so Laban doesn't find the the uh, idols there interesting though Rachel only lives a few more years has one child and dies very young so here comes that, you know, by his own confessions, his, his mouth, he's doing things. 
Jacob was the deceiver to get the birthright. He was deceived and got the wrong wife. He was deceived into working seven more years. He had to be away from his family for 20 years, which was horrible for his mother and probably for him growing up in this other land. I think that God had a, a, a desire that didn't include deception in all of this. Would, have, would Jacob had to have worked those 14 years? Maybe and maybe not. Because see, when you live in sin, when you live in rebellion, you will reap the consequences of your sin. It, it, just, it just happens. Every once in a while we hear these wonderful stories of somebody coming to faith. And I've heard a few stories like, I, I had done all these crimes and I was supposed to be arrested and I came to faith and I don't even know what happened, but I got off. And you go, wow, isn't that cool? You, f you find other, pe other stories of somebody who says, I was, I was a sinner, I was uh, doing these things, and I had AIDS. I, I knew somebody who, who had had AIDS. He became a Christian. He went back for his test, and he was clean. He didn't have to deal with those consequences. Every once in a while, God does something and takes that away. But the majority of time, I find that we're going to be living with the consequences of our sin for many, many years. So I want to encourage you, stop now while you're behind. Yield to this God who loves you. We're going to find some things out. So Jacob was, was wanted by his brother dead. He want, his brother Esau wanted him dead. He's been deceived. He had this amazing vision from God, but in that vision from God, he's still not wanting anything to do really with God. He's like, no, oh, we'll see. Okay. You know the picture I got? I'm, I, I watch cartoons with my kids. Aladdin, right? Aladdin's down in the hole, stuck in this pit with the genie. And there's all-powerful genie does the song and dance. You guys see this movie? If you haven't, you're like, what are you talking about? It's kind of fun. And he does this thing, oh, you, you never had a friend like me, and I can do all this. And, and he goes, oh, all-powerful genie, you can't get me, even get me out of this hole. And he says, oh, yeah, and he gets him out of the hole. And he says, okay, you're down to two wishes. And he goes, no, I still got three. Basically, he tricked him to get him out. And I was kind of picturing that. That's Jacob going, oh, you're going to give me all this stuff? Well, we'll see. So they're on their way back to home. 20 years later, lots of kids and an abundance, abundance of animals and wealth. And as he, sorry, when I do that, it gets loud when I talk like that. Apologies. As he's getting closer, he's like, what about Esau? And so he starts setting up this plan as he's getting really close and he devises a plan to give his brother an offering and he said I'm going to give him 200 female goats 20 male goats 200 ewes 20 rams 30 milk camels with their colts 40 cows 10 bulls 20 female donkeys and 10 foals that's the gift he's going to give he became wealthy. Now, we don't know how much he was keeping, honestly. I, I wanted to know, what did he give away? I would really like to know that. And, and he's going to give this gift to Esau. There's still, there's, he's given it to him as fear. He's afraid he's going to die. He's going to appease him. But I also think he's like, 
I stole something from him, and I'm going to try to buy it back. He's beginning to change a little bit because Jacob is still the rightful heir. So he's going to inherit a whole bunch of stuff from dad. Uh, Esau's already been living with all that wealth. So Jacob comes and he, and he does this thing. He also, t it's funny because he, he sends these gifts in front of him and then he says, okay, now I'm going to send my wives. And he starts sending out the maidservants with their kids first and then Leah, the wife he doesn't, he's not so keen with but has lots of kids. Then she's kind of behind and then he stays back with the wife he loves and Joseph. He's like, sacrifice them first. What? He's still not a great guy. He's still not a great guy here. Esau ends up coming, and, and, and they greet one another, and Jacob, he, and he says, what was all that stuff? And Jacob goes, it's a gift for you. And Esau says, don't worry, I have plenty. He's not mad anymore, and God has blessed him. Remember, the Bible said that he, he would be blessed with the fat, fatness of the earth. Keep it. And Jacob's like, no, no, go ahead and keep it, brother, you know, because I don't want you to kill me. Go on back, I'll come behind you. Jacob never ends up going. He ends up settling in other places because I think he still has fear. So, verse 22 in chapter 32. He sends his herds, Esau's back. He sends his wives across the river. It says, And he rose that night, took his two wives and his two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent them over uh, what he had. And then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. We believe this is a, it called a Christophany. Jesus comes and he wrestles with God all night and, and um, be, be, because he says he wrestles with a man but then in a moment he says, God. So we'll just read this and you'll see it. Wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket. This is the, the man. This is Jesus. He touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name, Jacob? Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but shall be Israel literally means prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he says, what is it that you ask my name? And he blessed him there and he called that place Peniel. Okay. Jacob is, is coming back and he's beginning to encounter God. Eventually we see in the story that he, he has a prayer time with God. And this is the first time, and I looked to double check, this is the first time in this prayer that he has with God that he doesn't, that he actually talks to God and calls him by name. He's referred to him, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. He's referred to him as Yahweh a couple of times, just a couple but he actually, in his, in his prayer, he starts talking to him and he calls him Lord. The, the change happens that he says, if you'll do this, then you'll be my God. 20 years later, he's come back 
and finally he's seen it. God has been faithful to him. And the beginning of, of Jacob's life is finally beginning to change. And he has a lot of struggles after this moment too. That he has a prayer. Jacob said in verse 9 of 32, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Yahweh, who said to me, Return to your country and to your family and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him. I don't deserve it. This is prayer. I don't deserve it. He's finally, he's kind of at the beginning of his walk with God. Isn't that amazing? Jacob didn't have one. Jacob was the guy who, he was, a, he was the pastor's kid who didn't come to faith yet. We, a few weeks ago, we went through this journey of, of exploring God, beginning in God. He was kind of exploring God his whole life. He knew all about God. He did not know him. This is the first time that you can see that he's actually going, Yahweh, my God, you have been faithful and I didn't deserve any of it. This is a great sinner's prayer. This is a great place to start this morning for some of you going, you've been there and I have been a rat. But you've been faithful. And then he, he's going to confirm and live by his vow. And God was faithful the whole time through with Jacob. Unfortunately, Jacob is still wrestling with God and he's still going to live out some of the consequences for the rest of his life. I, want, I, I really meant that earlier when I said, stop while you're behind. You know, God has been gracious with you and you're here today. Jacob is going to have uh, difficulties with all of his kids. He's got four moms. I mean, he's got like the major blended family going. The wife he loves dies. And, and I, I am, I, I'm reading that going, is that the curse that he says, whoever has those idols, they die. And she dies. Their daughter... We're going to learn that a little bit because we're not going to be studying this in depth. The, the da his, his daughter, Dinah, gets raped by some people and two of his kids devise a plan to kill the entire city. And they do it. They, they make all the men get circumcised and then when they're all in pain and agony, two kids go in and kill everyone in town. But like, is that a smart thing? Now you're known as, 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 as killers. People are afraid of you. People want to make war of you. Jacob still had to deal with that. God stays faithful him the whole time and continues and continues to bless him. We, we need to, to, to be that, that, those people who says, I don't want to get my gain through deception. But even before that, I don't want to want the things that God doesn't have for me. One of the big things I learned in this story is that Jacob tried to control everything the whole time. He, he just wanted to be in control. Isn't that most of our problems? We were having a conversation this morning up in the office as we prayed about, you know, why some people don't come to faith. And I just said, I said, I think the number one reason people don't come to faith in God or don't follow Him completely with their life boils down to they want control of their life. 
In, in our membership class, we say that, that we want to be the boss. That's what we say in our membership class. Man wants to be the boss. And people, they're, they're standing right at the threshold. They're looking at this God who says he's good. And they're seeing people who've been blessed. And they won't step through. And you go, why not? And it's because they don't want to release control of their life. Jacob, Rachel, all of these people wanted to control it. Even the things of God they wanted to control. God said to Jacob, I'm going to bless him. The, the, younger is gonna, the older is going to serve the younger. And Rachel says, I'm not even going to trust God to fulfill it. I'm going to trick my husband into doing something. She didn't have to do any of it. Because God is faithful. Stop striving with God. Don't be the guy who's always bartering with God. Don't be the woman who's, who's making deals and, and struggling against God. Work with him. Give in to him. Stop the, the madness in your life. You know, so, some of you, you just, you just have madness in your life. When I allow my flesh to get a hold of me, it just becomes insanity. Stop trying to control and say, I'm done. I yield. You know, Jacob... Jacob limped forever. That was a sign, you know. I mean, he, he could have he yielded before. You know, the blessing was coming. He says, I won't let you go until you bless me. But God had already promised that he was going to bless him. And he's still not trusting God. Trust him. Stop the madness. Whatever it is, those things that are happening in your life, some of them are under, under your control and you can just say, I'm done. I, might ne I need some help, God. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to give you the reins. What, what did I learn? What was the word man management? What's the word in sign language? How, yeah, that's managed, right? I love it. Yeah, this is the, it's like, like reins and a horse. I learned a, little word, a few words here and there. You know what? Let God manage your life. Give him the reins. It's, it's, it's amazing that as we yield to him, we don't lose ourselves, we find ourselves. As you yield to him, it's not that you don't exist anymore, that you actually, for the first time in your life, actually might find yourself. He's going he's gonna to put something, he's going to help you to understand who he created you to be. It's like the person who worked in the wrong profession their whole life. And they find the right friend, like, why did I wait so long? That's kind of what, what it is with God. Let him have the reins. Don't keep trying to control it. Don't try to make things happen for yourself, but allow him. God is gracious, and he will, he will be faithful to what he told you he was going to do. And he'll walk with you, and he will wait. I'm amazed at how long he waited for Jacob. But, but he had a purpose and a promise to that family. And he's got a promise to us. He says he's, he's patient with us. He's long-suffering. He's waiting, waiting for you and me to, to finally say, Lord, I give you my heart. I give it all to you. He's waiting for us to, for the first time, to confess our sins and, and begin to become a disciple of Jesus. Wherever you're at, this message is for us. We're going to close in prayer. And, and again, we're going to go have a barbecue and a baptism. It's a great day. If, if, if this is your day to be baptized, we can do that. 
because that's a symbol that says I'm not going to do it my way anymore. I'm going to die to myself and be made alive in Christ. Heavenly Father, this morning, you have a whole bunch of control freaks in the room. We all want to control everything. God, but we're not always doing a great job trying to control. Father, we ask that we would relinquish the control to you and say, God, I want to submit to the things that you have for me. And I thank you that the word says that you have prosperity for me, that you have life for me, that you have joy for me. That as I submit myself to you, the Spirit will shine forth in my life more and more and that my life will be filled with the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience. I could use some of these things. Goodness. God, even as we sang in worship, nothing else will do. We we need you this morning because you're good. You're gracious. You see the end from the beginning We try so hard, and you said, if you just relax, I'll bring you to your destination, full of blessing. So this morning, we commit ourselves freshly to you, and we ask God to help us, help us in the task of of surrendering our lives to you and giving it to you. Help us to to stop the the, the madness in our life, and and God, we'd we'd pray that uh, you'd have uh, continue to have grace and mercy with us. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.